They say a week is a long time in politics. Rarely has that been truer than in the week just gone. On Thursday lunchtime of last week, only a handful of insiders knew about a file held by a state agency containing false allegations of sex abuse against a Garda whistleblower. By Thursday lunchtime of this week, the crisis over its political handling and a confused, contradictory tale of who knew what and when had almost caused the government to collapse twice. In the meantime, the country is left revulsed by revelations of a major effort, apparently led by some of the highest powers in the land, to blacken the name of a Garda who called out wrongdoing by his colleagues. And that crisis has left a Taoiseach in charge of his country for six years and in charge of his party for 15 on borrowed time. If a week is a long time in politics, the last one must feel like an eternity. So it's a good time to kick off a new political podcast then, isn't it? Every weekend today, FM will help you take stock of the week that's just passed and help you bring you up to speed or even just catch you up with what's been going on around Leinster House and beyond. I'm Gavin Riley, and this is That Was The Week. So where do we start with this whole sorry saga? Well, let's go back to the beginning of this whole affair. In the last few years, you'll probably have heard the name Morris McCabe. He's a Garda sergeant in Cavan Monaghan, who's possibly best known for his work as a whistleblower, highlighting the abuse of the penalty point system. It was through his whistleblowing that it became known that several high-profile people in public life, journalists, sports stars and the like, had had penalty points cancelled. His work was ultimately vindicated, but it drew the wrath of the highest levels of Garda management. The Garda commissioner at the time, Martin Callanan, even considered legal action to stop McCabe from giving evidence about the penalty points issue at the Dáil's Public Accounts Committee. When Callanan himself gave evidence, he said the claims of the whistleblowers McCabe and another one, John Wilson, were objectionable. In fact, he went much further than that. There isn't a whisper anywhere else from any other member of the Garda Shikana about this corruption, this malpractice and all of those things that are levelled against their fellow officers uh, I, 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 frankly I think it's quite disgusting it's, on a personal level I think it's quite disgusting. But ultimately McCabe and Wilson were vindicated, Callanan resigned for separate reasons just two months later. But that wasn't the end of the McCabe affair. He then went on to make a whole series of allegations about mismanagement of crime in Cavan Monaghan. One such example was in the case of a man named Jerry McGrath, who, due to Garda failures, was arrested twice, charged twice and bailed twice over two separate serious assault charges in two parts of the country. Because of Garda failures, the court in the second instance wasn't informed that he was already on bail for an assault for the first one, and having been released on bail twice simultaneously, which he never should have been, he then went on to murder a mother of two in a night out in Limerick one night. Now, the substance of McCain's claims were obviously very serious, but again, the Garda machinery tend to play them down. The government ordered a report to tease out whether the claims held water. When it did, the Justice Minister, Alan Shatter, was even forced to resign over it. A full state inquiry was set up, that was called the O'Higgins Commission, and again, for the most part, McCabe was vindicated. But all of this work made McCabe a serious thorn in the side of Garda management. Around the time of his work with the PAC on penalty points, Journalists started being briefed about supposedly darker elements in his past. There was talk of long-standing allegations being made against him of a sexually improper nature. Children were mentioned. The general import of all of this was that McCabe was not supposed to be a reliable witness. 
He was not to be trusted. He was dangerous. The chairman of the Public Accounts Committee, John McGuinness, hinted last year as to some of the rumours being spread. Every effort was made by those within the Garda Siakana at, at senior level to discredit Garda uh, uh, Morris McCabe. Every effort, including the outgoing commissioner, who confided in me in a car park on the Nace Road that he was not to be trusted, that there was serious issues in relation to Garda McCabe. Uh, the, the vile stories that circulated. Separate to all of this in 2014, a HSE councillor was dealing with a client, a young woman who told the councillor she'd been abused when she was much younger. She said she'd been digitally penetrated in both her genitals and her rear. Due to what's since been explained as a copy and paste error, although many people find that difficult to accept, the allegation was pasted into a file carrying the name of Morris McCabe. McCabe was known to the same girl and had previously been the subject of a complaint against her, although investigators at that time said there was no offence to prosecute and they never followed up with any prosecution. It's thought that this was the reason, by the way, why a file on McCabe had even existed in the first place. But this new complaint, which was falsely attributed to Morris McCabe, was detailed on RTE's primetime last week by journalist Katie Hannan. On May 14th, events took an extraordinary turn. The councillor contacted Tusla to say that she had made an administrative error in her report to them. An internal Tusla email states, The line that this abuse involved digital penetration both vaginal and anal is an error and should not be in the referral. It is in fact a line from another referral on another adult that has been pasted in in error. The councillor has apologised and is sending us an amended report ASAP. So it turned out that there was absolutely nothing in this second allegation against Morris McCabe. It was just a mistake. In other words, the allegation had nothing to do with McCabe at all. But the problem didn't go away and it came back in extraordinary fashion at the end of 2015. On December 29, 2015, a child protection social worker wrote to Morris McCabe informing him that the agency was investigating an allegation that he had abused a child in the late 1990s and that the abuse allegedly involved digital penetration. He was invited to a meeting to discuss the allegations. This was the first time Morris McCabe had ever heard of this allegation. We can only imagine the deep shock this letter from Tusla caused in the McCabe household. After that, McCabe and his wife, Lorraine, submitted a Freedom of Information request to Tusla, the Child and Family Agency, demanding the full file of allegations that it held against him. They discovered for the first time that files had been opened on his children, apparently on the completely false premise that their father was a sex abuser. But at this point, we need to rewind a little bit. We need to introduce a few other Gardaí. The first of these is Superintendent Dave Taylor. Now, Taylor is fairly well known to Irish journalists because for many years he was the head of the Garda Press Office. However, two years ago, he was abruptly moved aside into the traffic corps and then he was suspended from duty altogether amid allegations that he had wrongly leaked information to the press about children being removed from a Roma family. As part of that investigation, by the way, his three phones were taken from him. He was put under investigation by Detective Superintendent Jim McGowan, who, as it happens, is the husband of Noreen O'Sullivan, who is the Garda Commissioner. Now, in 2016, while Taylor was still suspended, he met with Morris McCabe, and what he told him was shocking. Taylor told McCabe that, throughout the whole row over penalty points at the Public Accounts Committee, he had been directed to contact journalists with the general goal of blackening the name of Morris McCabe. 
He was told to play down the extent of his claims, to allege that they'd already been investigated, to say that there was no substance to them, to claim that McCabe had something of an axe to grind with the Gardaí. And significantly, and you can imagine the pieces of the jigsaw beginning to fall into place for Morris McCabe at this moment, Taylor told him that he had been instructed to spread allegations of a specific criminal act that McCabe was alleged to have carried out. The two men decided to make what are officially known as protected disclosures, in other words, whistleblowing complaints, to the Minister for Justice, Francis Fitzgerald. Within days of receiving them, she handed them over to a former High Court judge to be investigated. That judge, Irla O'Neill, eventually reported back and recommended yet another full state inquiry. He even suggested the terms of reference it should use. Last week, the government officially signed off on it. This confirmed, for the first time in public, the claim that the main Garda spokesman had been ordered to spread a rumour of criminal misbehaviour by Maurice McCabe. And if that wasn't shocking enough, the following day, Labour leader Brendan Howland went into Leinster House and, speaking on live TV under Dole privilege, blew the lid off an extraordinary scandal. He said that morning he had spoken to a journalist. The journalist told me that they have direct knowledge of calls made by the Garda Commissioner to journalists during 2013 and 2014, in the course of which the Commissioner made very serious allegations of sexual crimes having been committed by Garda Morris McCabe. Now this was shocking. This was the rumour that many journalists had heard. The rumour had emerged, as they do in Ireland, that McCabe was supposed to have some skeletons in his closet. Few journalists suspected, however, that Noreen O'Sullivan herself was apparently making some of these calls. And for the public who had no knowledge of these background rumours or smears about Morris McCabe, this was understandably shocking. And Kenny, however, could only repeat what he had already been told, which was that Noreen O'Sullivan completely denied the claims. What is at issue here is a, is a series of allegations, and the truth of which have not been tested yet, uh, and which I, I can tell the House are wholly and vehemently denied by those against whom the allegations are made. But the disclosure of alleged sex crimes alone was enough to raise concern about the position of the Garda Commissioner. Surely now the supposed smear campaign was so serious that she'd have to step aside while the matter was investigated. Francis Fitzgerald said no. In the case of the Garda Commissioner, I have consistently stated that there has been no finding of any wrongdoing against her and in those circumstances, yes, she is entitled to our full support and confidence and that remains the position. And for the sake of completeness, she was asked to confirm that she knew nothing about Gardaí working with other state agencies. I asked the Taunasha, is she aware of contact by Ungard with other state agencies in relation to Sergeant Morris McCabe? Um, in other words, you're talking about Ungardi Shikona initiating contact with her other agencies. Uh, uh, the ones I would be aware of would obviously be uh, contact with, for example, GSOC in the normal course of events, whatever uh, would be uh, appropriate there. Um, but no, I'm, I'm, not, uh, I'm not in possession of uh, contact. I'm, I'm not in possession of information that they've initiated contact other than what would ever be in the, the normal course of, of the work that they would do. And that appeared to be the end of the crisis, really. The Tonishta had gone on the record to say she knew nothing. The Garda Commissioner issued a fiercely worded statement saying she was innocent and that while stepping aside would be the easiest thing to do, she wasn't going to do it. But one way or another, the Commission of Investigation was about to be set up. The whole story was going to be investigated. Anyone with evidence to give or stories to tell would be legally compelled to do so. 
But that Thursday night, Primetime then broadcast the allegations of the file held by Tusla, the child and family agency containing those false allegations of digital penetration against Morris McCabe. And a fire was lit under the controversy all over again. Did this mean that there was more than one state agency behind a smear campaign against a whistleblower? However shocking that situation might have been, however grave the sympathy for Morris McCabe and what he had gone through, the next morning, Friday morning, February the 10th, is when the whole scandal turned political. Morris McCabe solicitor Sean Costello appeared on RTE Radio 1 to discuss the legal options available to McCabe. In passing, he made a fairly revealing comment. Has Sergeant McCabe met ministers upon? I believe that he has. Well, I suppose you, your answer suggests you were not at that meeting. Um, no. Right. Do you know anything about it or how he got on? I'm afraid uh, I don't. Uh, or when it took place? It, it would have been um, close to two weeks ago, I think. Right. And, and was he in any way assured or reassured by her? Well, I, I think that after the meeting, he was happy that he had been met by the minister. Wait, so the Minister for Children had met Maurice McCabe only a few weeks previously? And she knew about Tusla's role in spreading false and extremely damaging information about a major Garda whistleblower? How could she not have shared that information at Cabinet just three days earlier, when they were discussing setting up a state inquiry into the smearing of the same guy? How could she not tell the Justice Minister, who only 24 hours earlier said she knew nothing of Garda contact with Tusla or anyone else? Today, FM and many others tried to get an answer from Zapone. Awkwardly enough, because it was a Friday morning, Zapone had left the country to travel back to her native Seattle for the weekend for a family occasion. She was quite literally eight hours behind. Eventually, she was able to put out a statement. It said yes, the McCabes had asked to meet her in January, once they'd received the full Tusla file and saw the gravity of the mistakes contained within it. It said Zapone had met the McCabes on January the 25th, nearly a fortnight earlier. And, crucially... She said she had kept relevant government ministers informed at all times. Now, boom, that is a problem. Who are those relevant ministers? Surely the most relevant minister is the Minister for Justice, and she had only told the doll the previous day that she knew nothing. Was she lying? Suddenly, alarm bells are ringing. It is becoming quickly clear that somebody around the cabinet table knew more than others and had allowed the whole government to sign off on the state inquiry into the treatment of Morris McCabe without telling their colleagues what was going on. And now, now we have a scandal. 100 to 102 Today FM. Shortly afterwards, a statement lands from Francis Fitzgerald, who admits, yes, Catherine Zappone had told her she was meeting the McCabes, but not the circumstances of why she was doing so, or how the circumstances of how it had come about. A spokesman later added that Francis Fitzgerald had only found out about the Tusla angle to the whole affair when it appeared on primetime. A spokesman for the Taoiseach said exactly the same. Zappone had notified him of the meeting, but didn't discuss why she was having it, and Enda Kenny had only discovered the Tusla file through primetime. So we now have the Taoiseach and Taunishta contradicting an independent minister in their own government. By the way, in the middle of all of this, Tusla tries to hand-deliver an apology to Morris McCabe's home. It accidentally delivers it to his next-door neighbour instead. A few hours later, Catherine Zappone rushes out another statement which basically contradicts the first one. She defends not telling Cabinet about the Tusla file because it was highly sensitive and highly personal. But it all meant that by Saturday night, the vultures were circling. We had a major smear campaign against a Garda, apparently being run by the most senior Gardaí in the land, with false claims of sex abuse, and ministers still busy contradicting each other about what they each had known. 
Sinn Féin was putting down a motion of no confidence in the government. It would call a vote on whether the whole thing should collapse. And that suddenly meant that the survival of the government depended on Fianna Fáil, who, by the way, were also shown on Saturday night to be 11 points more popular than Fine Gael in a poll for the Sunday Times. And by Sunday afternoon, that support from Fianna Fáil, which is ultimately what's keeping this government in place, looked like it might have been on the ice. First of all, Francis Fitzgerald goes on the week in politics and doesn't quite put the matter to bed. Why did you not ask her since the 25th how that meeting went or at Cabinet? You're bringing the terms of because reference I made, for this inquiry because, to Cabinet. Uh, yes. she, you know she's had this meeting. You know the, well, the potential of anything to do with Morris McCabe to impact not just on him, and dreadfully, but on politics. And you never look across the cabinet yes. table and say, Catherine Zappone, is there anything in that meeting, by the way, that's of relevance to these terms of reference? Well, it's very simple for you to put the question like that. But what I was doing was presenting a very detailed set of uh, uh, terms of reference. And what I was doing in terms of my interaction with Catherine and Morris McCabe as a whistleblower, I was respecting the integrity of her meeting with him I was respecting it fully. When I went home and watched primetime, I did not know the facts uh, as they emerged. I did not have any of the information in relation to the councillor, the referral to HSE, any of those okay, details. I want that to bring in Claire Daly absolutely now. New it to was me. all new to you on Thursday absolutely night. Absolutely new to me. On that last point, well, the Fianna Fáil leader, Micheál Martin, spoke in Cork only a few hours later. I need to put on the record that our spokesman for Justice, uh, Deputy Jim McCallaghan, met with Francis Fitzgerald on Wednesday evening specifically to broaden the terms of reference of the Charlton inquiry uh, to take on board the uh, Tusla file because we had been alerted to it and I had spoken to Morris McCabe on the Wednesday. Uh, I was anxious that the terms of reference would cover the Tusla file. Jim McCallaghan met with Francis Fitzgerald, alerted her to the existence of the file uh, and that it needed to be covered. Uh-oh. Just recap on that. Micheál Martin said he had met with Maurice McCabe the day before the primetime programme. He'd been told about the forthcoming Tusla revelations and then he instructed his own justice spokesman to inform the Taunashta. And yet the Taunashta insists she knew nothing before the TV show. Well, they can't both be right. Meanwhile, Enda Kenny goes on RTE's This Week programme and he tries to put to bed the apparent inconsistencies between his story and Catherine Zappone's. What did Catherine Zappone tell you and what did her officials tell your officials? Um, well, uh, Minister Zappone is doing a very good job. Uh, did tell me that she intended to meet with uh, Sergeant McCabe, McCabe in, a, in, a, in a private capacity. And uh, that's all I knew. I said to her, well, if, uh, if, uh, if you do have a meeting, uh, make sure that you have a, you know, a, a thorough account of it. And so when we had our meeting on... Um, on Tuesday, uh, I wouldn't have been aware of any of the details of our discussions with... Did you uh, ask her what the meeting was about? No, because she was meeting him in a private capacity, which she's entitled to do. Double uh-oh. That only picks more holes. What the hell does private capacity mean? Is the Taoiseach suggesting that the McCabes were meeting with just Mrs Catherine Zappone, but not with the Minister for Children? That makes no sense whatsoever. Thankfully, however, the Taoiseach spokesman did confirm afterwards that that isn't what the Taoiseach had meant. He actually meant to say confidentially. So, he says Catherine's opponent was entitled to keep the details secret because it was a confidential matter. Now, that seems partly plausible, but it does at least pull the stories together. 
That spokesman again confirms, by the way, that the Taoiseach only became aware of the Tusla file on Morris McCabe through the primetime programme. But now we do have a major roadblock, because Fianna Fáil is essentially accusing the Taunashta, the Minister for Justice, of lying. It's just a spokesman says he told Frances Fitzgerald about the Tusla file the day before she went into the Dáil and said she knew nothing about anything. And this is three days before Fianna Fáil's votes are needed to keep the government in power. And it's not helped when Fine Gael's chairman Martin Hayden goes on local radio KFM in Kildare and basically accuses Fianna Fáil of lying. Well, if if both sides can't be reconciled, that's where we're looking at, yeah. I believe the Tanishta, and I spoke to her last night directly on the phone, and in all of my dealings with Francis Gerald, I have found her to be a woman of the utmost integrity. It is difficult to see how both sides could be true. My belief is that the Tanishta is telling the truth, Jeff. I and many other reporters spent Monday trying to interview Frances Fitzgerald. Twice in the space of an hour or two, she managed to evade journalists, firstly by taking a back door into her own department, and then by scurrying out of a function room before journalists could stop her and ask her exactly what had happened. Jim O'Callaghan, meanwhile, was sticking to his story, and he reminded us explicitly of the stakes at play. If we don't get this sorted out, the government will collapse, OK? I think that is would be crazy for the government to collapse. So she has to back down from I go, down to events. I think the important thing is that common sense uh, enters into this. The public aren't too worried about a discrepancy between what I say and what the Tanishta says. Okay, what they're interested in is getting a uh, commission of investigation established and the terms of reference agreed. That's what they want. The Tanishta has agreed to extend the terms of reference. That must now be done. We must now get agreement on it and get the inquiry up and running. Triple uh-oh. That soundbite ends amicably, but rewind back to the first thing that he said. If we don't get this sorted out, the government will collapse, OK? I think that is would be crazy for the government to collapse. The collapse of the government is now being mooted, unless the whole situation is sorted out. But that's a challenge from outside, and the government still faces challenges from within. On Monday afternoon, Catherine Zappone gets back from Seattle, she speaks to the media, and she drops Enda Kenny back in it all over again. I spoke with the Taoiseach uh, prior to the Cabinet meeting last week to let him know that I had met with the McCabes, um, uh, that we had discussed uh, Tusla. Uh, I didn't go into the detail of any of the allegations that I was aware of, but I did indicate to him that that was the nature of the conversation. My uh, advisors were also in touch with the Taoiseach's office to let them know that I was going to meet with the McCabe's prior to that. Quadruple uh uh-oh. She says she spoke to Enda Kenny before Tuesday's cabinet meeting and that she discussed Tusla. And just to be sure that is what she was saying, we followed up. I, 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 I said to the Taoiseach that I had met with the McCabe's. He already knew that because he was, had been informed of that, uh, that we, we, I had discussed Tusla uh, as part of that discussion. And that was... So the, you did tell him that, that was... You, you did tell him the, the vague, let's say... I gave no more details than that. Did you, did you ask any questions? Did you ask any questions on the matter? No, he did cool. not. Okay, just ask for clarity, Minister. Is that the first time that you directly told the Taoiseach about your meeting, that it had been an official level before that, and that was the first time you had spoken to That I had spoken to the okay. Taoiseach. That is correct. That is correct. Quintuple, uh-oh. Not only does she say she told Kenny about the Tusla matter, but now she says that she'd never told him personally beforehand that she was meeting the McCabe's. But Enda Kenny had only been on radio the previous day saying this. I said to her, well, if uh, 
if uh, if you do have a meeting, uh, make sure that you have a you know a, a thorough account of it. And now she says that phone call didn't happen because her officials had told his officials, but she wasn't the one who picked up the phone. And then suddenly we're left in serious crisis territory. Throughout the weekend, the Independent Alliance had been very quiet. They were already known to be furious that Catherine Zappone hadn't brought the Tusla issue back to Cabinet, even when McCabe's smearing was being discussed at that Cabinet meeting. Suddenly, not only do they discover that Kenny himself was also aware of the Tusla role, and that he also didn't reveal it, but that Kenny had simply made up the details of a phone call that never happened. One of either Kenny or Zappone was lying, and in just three days' time, the doll was going to vote on whether to sack them. And in the eyes of some Fine Gael TDs, this undermining of the Taoiseach's own tale of affairs by one of his own ministers is a fatal blow. There is suddenly a growing fear that a snap election could be on the cards, that the whole government could fall apart, either from within or without. And Enda Kenny has always said he doesn't want to lead Fine Gael into that next election, and that means in some eyes, his game is up. Noel Rock, the youngest Fine Gael TD of the lot, was the first to break ranks. Once we are over the hurdle of the motion of no confidence, we do need to have a serious and frank discussion about the future of the party and the future of its leadership under Enda Kenny. Um, what's been so wrong with his leadership of the government in the last uh, nine months that it's existed? I think his leadership of the government has been good. I think it's been positive. However, we do have to acknowledge that by his own words, he has said that he will not lead this party into the next election. And therefore, we need to accept that there's always the possibility of a snap general election being called. And and therefore, logic would lead us to deduce that we do need to have a discussion about the future leadership of the party. And so on Monday evening, not only was the government facing threats from outside, but from within. An election definitely looked on the cards at that point. And then, boom, out of the blue, comes a statement from Morris McCabe. He says the Commission of Investigation, which hadn't yet been set up, but which politically already seemed to be nailed on, wasn't good enough. He says, in the last commission, Gardy made attempts to smear him behind his back, and he didn't want the same thing to happen again. So he said, all the hearings in this new inquiry must be public. And that means the government had to go back to the drawing board, and this changes the dynamics altogether. Because Fianna Fáil up to this point were still holding out the possibility of maybe collapsing the government altogether if a commission of investigation had been set up first. But now that commission was dead in the water. A whole new inquiry was needed. In fact, the only possibility for public hearings would be a tribunal where every hearing is public. But that is another couple of days' work. There's no format for it yet. There's no terms of reference. Cabinet hasn't agreed to set one up. It would just be carnage for Fianna Fáil to collapse the government then and delay that tribunal being set up for a few months. So suddenly the threat from outside is safe. But we do at this point still have a Taoiseach who's being contradicted by his own ministers. And in the dawn the next day, the Taoiseach falls on his sword. And I might say a mea culpa here, because I did say, and I'm, 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 I'm guilty here, of, uh, of, um, of not giving accurate information. I understood, from thinking myself, that, I had, that she had asked me about meeting Sergeant McCabe in the first place. It actually was her office that consulted with my officials who told me. So uh, she, she, uh, she's very clear that she did not tell me that she intended to meet uh, Sergeant McCabe. But she did tell her official to tell my office. And so I'm, I'm, I, I regret that. I regret that. Behold, a Taoiseach admitting that the phone call he had discussed on national radio, that he had given specific anecdotes to back up, 
never happened. This is already a body blow to his standing as party leader. But what of that other contradiction from Catherine Zappone when she said that she did discuss Tusla with him before the cabinet meeting? Listen closely. I didn't actually, I didn't actually, she didn't tell me herself that she was meeting Sergeant McCabe. She did tell me before the cabinet meeting last Thank Tuesday you. that she had met with them and they had discussed you, allegations that were false in respect of uh, given to Tusla. Thank you, Tushin. Deputy Jerry Adams. She says she told him about false allegations that were given to Tusla. And this means for the first time that he admits knowing before cabinet met the previous week about the false allegations of sexual abuse made against Morris McCabe. It is a stunning disclosure, but not as stunning as what he then went on to say 16 minutes later. The Minister did not um, refer to any of the details of the discussion with the McCabe's or the existence of a file in Thusla or the uh, information contained in that file. It is not true to say uh, that uh, I had any information about, uh, about the existence of that um, prior to the Cabinet meeting in, uh, in, in, in government buildings here. Backtracking again. He now says that he knew about some Tusla role, but not about the details of any allegation. There is such confusion emerged about all of this that the Dáil then arranges an emergency session for that night where the ministers concerned can all finally put the questions to bed about their knowledge and their handling of this whole controversy. So three hours after his last comments, Enda Kenny comes back to the Dáil and starts his explanation all over again. Mr Zappone, as a minister with responsibility for Thusla, engaged with Morris McCabe about very sensitive and very personal matters. She quite rightly respected his right to privacy and confidentiality in relation to these matters. As I've said previously, I was aware of the meeting between Minister Zappone and Sergeant McCabe, but, he, but, but he was not aware, I was not aware of the details or of the very serious and disturbing issues that arose at the meeting. He is at least sticking to his last comments. He knew about the meeting of some Tusla involvement, but he didn't know about the false allegations of sex abuse. Then, only 15 minutes later, Catherine Zappone stands up. I told him that I had met with the McCabe's, that we had discussed false allegations of sexual abuse made against Sergeant McCabe to Tusla. The Taoiseach said that this would be covered by the Commission of Investigation, what we were calling it at the time. And she contradicts him again, this time on the floor of the doll, by saying that she did tell him about false allegations of sexual abuse. So a few minutes later, Enda Kenny tweaks his story again. Minister's opponent said that she had met with the McCabe's and that the question of false allegations of sexual abuse had been discussed, uh, had been made to Thusla and discussed with her or by her with the McCabe's. You will notice, by the way, at this point that it's no longer a scandal about the even very existence of a Tusla file or the idea that a false allegation had been made against a high-profile Garda whistleblower and that that may have been used to discredit him in the eyes of the media and possibly, therefore, in the public. That is almost, at this point, a sideshow. It ought not to be. The, the main political focus still ought to be on making sure he has justice. But by now the story has completely shifted. It's not about the existence of that Tusla file itself, for which the government is possibly about to fall. It's the fact that Enda Kenny can't explain exactly what he knew, when he knew about it, and was giving false accounts of what he knew and when. Even false accounts on national radio about a conversation he'd had with one of his own ministers, which transpired never to have existed. Anyway, back to the dull debate. A few minutes later again, after Enda Kenny and Catherine Zappone have been contradicting each other, Jim O'Callaghan and Francis Fitzgerald, who, by the way, are still at odds over who knew what and when, 
then have a straightforward floor fight, right on the floor of the dole, right in the eyes of the nation, arguing about what they had argued about only six days earlier. What was in or not in the programme was not the central point. It was that you wanted clarity in relation to the allegations and that they would be fully investigated. I commenced the conversation with you by telling you about the forthcoming programme, which was in respect of a Tusla file. So again at this point you have Fianna Fáil questioning the Tornish's facts and a Taoiseach being contradicted by his own minister and having to change his own story two or three times. Things look very grave. And at this point, they reach a whole new level of farce when Sinn Féin's Morris Quinlevin gets the floor. Taoiseach, numerous TDs in, in this chamber have asked you that similar question. I think we're up to about 10, 10 TDs at the moment. My question is simple. When did you first become aware of the false allegations against Morris McCabe? He shaped my programme last Thursday night. So now Kenny says that he had only discovered the false allegations on Thursday night despite having admitted that he knew about them on Tuesday morning. And when Brendan Howland had to get into the dole and made the allegations about Noreen O'Sullivan's personal role in smearing Morris McCabe the previous day, the Wednesday, there is, quite simply, no way the Taoiseach could possibly interpret the question and say that he only knew about the allegations on Thursday night. And the heel of the reel in all of this is that Fine Gael TDs went to bed on Tuesday night with their minds made up. Just five days after the public had found out about this Tusla file, the convoluted and contradictory stories were taking their toll. Wednesday was the day on which the Dáil would then be voting on the motion of confidence, and on which Enda Kenny would face the music from his own backbenchers. But before either of those, he had to meet the Independent Alliance, the group of ministers in the Dáil, including Shane Ross and Finian McGrath, who had held out for a few hours before they were even prepared to vote in favour of their very own government. We said that we were very disappointed uh, with a lot of the confusion that had, had uh, occurred in government in, in, uh, in recent days uh, and that we found it unacceptable and we hoped it wouldn't happen in the future. Was the withdrawal from government an option for you? We considered it. Shane, has I, I the Taoiseach managed to clarify for, for you guys his version of events because it's still very unclear in the House. He's contradicted himself several times in the last 24 hours. Has he managed to tell you what actually happened? I think there's still confusion. I think the truth is there's still confusion about what, what happened at that stage. And we made it quite clear and we didn't make it quite clear. Uh, it, is, it, is, it is something which we found very, very difficult to understand. No, I, I'm not clear about that yet and I don't think anybody else is. Do you all have confidence in, sh- in uh, Well, we, we, what, we've said is, what we've said about that is, is, is this. We are upset I'm very distressed by what's happened, both with the Taoiseach and, and with other members of government in the last few days. We do not think it would be appropriate in, in this situation where, where we're putting down a motion of confidence to the government uh, to suggest that we have no confidence in the, in the Taoiseach. At this point, it's clear that the government is clinging together by its fingernails. Out of that meeting, Enda Kenny goes into the Fine Gael Parliamentary Party, where he begs the indulgence of TDs to ignore his own future, at least for the time being, and to rally behind the motion of confidence that would keep the government in place later that night. So too did Michael Noonan, who was legendarily told that always having this magic ability to defuse tense situations. If ever you need people to go in and defuse the potential of a nuclear war, you send in Michael Noonan. His soothing, calm demeanour tends to take the heat out of a situation. But not this time. Leo Varadkar and Simon Coveney, the two men who both want to be the next leader, then stand up and both say the party needs to be ready for an early election. And being ready for an early election means having a new leader. 
Three TDs, including Leo Varadkar, even tried to arrange another meeting for the very next day so that the motion of no confidence would be put out of the way and they could then thrash out the leadership question as soon as possible. Those requests were turned down, but the message to Enda Kenny from that meeting was very clear. They expected him to outline a plan for stepping away from government and as leader of Fine Gael. And in case there remained any doubt, Fianna Fáil then went into the Dáil Chamber to abstain in the motion of confidence, which was enough to keep the government in place for the time being, but yet with an explicit warning from Micheál Martin that their patience was running very thin. We do want a change of government, but we also believe that this Dáil has not yet fulfilled its obligations to the people who we are elected to serve. My party's priorities are to address this scandal and to help our country overcome the many challenges it faces. There is no evidence that an immediate election will do this. We will abide by our agreement. However, there is a point after which all good faith efforts to make this style work will have failed and there will be no alternative but to have an election. That point is much closer today than it was last week. It may well be reached if there are further revelations which suggest that the government has been acting in bad faith in this manner or if it fails to honour both the spirit and the detail of its agreements. And so the government survived the crucial vote. On the question that Dáil Éireann reaffirms its confidence in the government, uh, the result Taw 57, Neil 52 and there were 44 abstentions. But Kenny will not. The vibe was already clear and made explicit by Fine Gael's vice chairman, Pat Deering, on Thursday's edition of The Last Word with Matt Cooper. I think it's time that the Taoiseach reassessed his position and would inform the parliamentary party next week. I think that's an initial time frame of where things are at the moment. I would expect that he would address the parliamentary party next week on the matter. And then when you say address, tell him a specific time, tell you a specific time when he's going to go. Yeah, well, I, w- I would expect he would at this stage now. I think that's the indication that it seems to be coming through at the moment. And then would you expect that he, the con- contest would perhaps leave him in place as leader of Fine Gael and Taoiseach for the visit to see Donald Trump in the White House for St. Patrick's Day and then stepped on perhaps the following week? That's a, that's a possible uh, scenario, Matt, to be quite honest. I'm quite certain about the exact time scale from that point of view, but it is a possible likely scenario. What if he goes further than that, Pat? What if he decides that he wants to stay around for 8 or 12 weeks so that he can surpass John Costello's record as the longest-serving Fine Gael Taoiseach? Well, I, I, I would think uh, from talking to many members within the parliamentary party that that time frame might be pushing a bit too far. That could result in a, in a motion of confidence. So that's the case that he has to really make up his mind in the next four to six weeks? Yeah, I would think so. If that next meeting of Fine Gael TDs takes place on Wednesday evening, TDs will have until Tuesday to table motions. The general feeling is that if Enda Kenny doesn't indicate his plans before Tuesday lunchtime, someone else will put down that motion of no confidence. Pat Deering says he's happy to do it. And in fact, as of Friday evening, another backbencher, Alan Farrell, issued a statement saying already that he has no confidence in Enda Kenny's leadership. And so on Thursday night, when Enda Kenny took reporters' questions for the first time all week, the question was not if he would step down as Fine Gael leader, but when. Or was it? Very respectfully, when might you <coughs> resign as party leader? What did you say, sir? <laughs> <laughs> when, when will you be stepping down as leader of Fine Gael? I'll tell you. Well, you know, politics is, uh, is, is a vocation. It draws you into uh, stormy waters as well as calm, as the late James Dillon used to say. Uh, today, for me, was a very ordinary working day. We had a cabinet meeting at 7.30, where we approved and signed off on the terms of reference for the 
public inquiry into the allegations of a sustained smear campaign against Sergeant Morris McCabe. I followed that with the opening the International Tax Forum uh, down in Dublin Castle. Followed that with a two-hour stint. This answer goes on for quite a while. He lists the series of appointments, all the various foreign trips that he's got coming up. He's not really entertaining the idea of stepping down, it would seem. That's what I'm doing now. I'm, I'm, entirely, I'm focusing entirely on a really busy and challenging agenda up ahead. And we've got lots of work for all our party to engage themselves in, uh, ministerial portfolios and programmes for government to implement. That's what we should be about. Are you concerned about the prospect of Deputy Deering uh, introducing a vote of no confidence at your parliamentary party meeting? <laughs> Did you fail to indicate a timetable for... Joe, I'm, I'm focused on my job and my responsibility as leader of the country to continue in a very challenging time to deal with the preparations for what will be exceptionally difficult uh, uh, and challenging negotiations in respect of Brexit. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. After this press conference with the Taoiseach, I spoke to a handful of Fine Gael TDs just to scope out what they made of Enda Kenny's defiant reply. Some of them were worried that, in fact, it was a little too defiant. He spoke at length about the Brexit meetings he had lined up. If he planned to see out the whole Brexit process, that would mean he'd be in charge for at least two more years. That simply wasn't tenable. As one minister said, we want to let him do this with dignity, but there is no long term here. This is a matter of weeks. Others, however, felt that he should be allowed to see out the full Brexit process. In fact, the junior EU affairs minister, Dara Murphy, said precisely that on Friday. The reality is the heads of state of government, 27 prime ministers, are the people who are deciding this process. Uh, and, uh, you know, to literally consider in any way, shape or form uh, changing you know, the captain of our team before we run out of the dressing room, uh, I think it's, frankly, I think it's, it's a ludicrous uh, proposal. But clearly the divisions are already emerging in the party. Pat Deering says he's going to put down the motion of no confidence if there is no plan before then. And backbencher Alan Farrell has already said he has no confidence, irrespective of when Enda Kenny decides he wants to leave. The rationale for sending the statement, uh, and I, I've carefully considered it, I didn't particularly want to send it, but because of the language being used, not just by the Taoiseach, but by others as well, I was deeply concerned in relation to the future of our party and the direction in which we are heading. It is clear that the party is now fracturing. And so this weekend, after, by the way, he attends a Fine Gael wedding on Saturday, surrounded by his cabinet, whether they're loyalists or not, the Taoiseach heads home for Mayo with a decision to make. His party clearly wants him gone, or at least most of it. A motion of no confidence is now a certainty, and he has to make up his mind. Will he try to stave off one more fight? Or will he strike a deal to round off six years in charge of the country in a slightly more orderly way? And that's where we are right now. At least, for some of his own comfort, the legal technicalities around setting up the new tribunal have been cleared. And before too long, Morris McCabe might find out the truth to which he's entitled. He might find out, finally, exactly the degree to which the state might have gone to blacken his name for telling the truth. 100 to 102 Today FM (laughs) Phew, so that was a long one. I promise every podcast in this series won't be that long, but then again, this is about as big a political scandal as we've had in Ireland for a few years, possibly since the banking collapse and everything that surrounded it. Let me know your thoughts on the podcast. Thoughts, criticism, feedback, positive or otherwise, all very welcome. Gav at todayfm.com. That's gav at todayfm.com is where you will get me. I'll be back next Friday with another review of events in Leinster House of the last seven days, quite possibly the opening salvo being fired in a Fine Gael leadership election. But until then, I'm Gavin Riley, and that was The Week.
to 102 Today FM.